0: Welcome to the Beeson podcast coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Hello listeners, a brief program note for you. We don't usually do this, but we want to let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to is wonderful and you'll be able to hear all the words and you will be edified by them, but the recording conditions were a little bit difficult. So this podcast recording more than most is a little rough, a little rough, but worth the effort. So please stay tuned. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And today we're launching a four-week series on the ministries of African-American Beeson alumni. February is Black History Month, I'm sure you know. And at Beeson, this is also our third annual African-American Ministry Emphasis Month. Its purpose is to shine a light on what God is doing in our African-American churches, especially those pastored by the members of the larger Beeson family. Before we dive right in to our conversation today, Let me put two very important dates on your mind, February 15 and March 1st. February 15th is our tier one scholarship deadline for those applying to join us in the fall of 2022. Tier one scholarships cover 65 to 100% of tuition for students in the Master of Divinity or MDiv program. If you wanna be considered, for one of these scholarships, you need to have submitted your application by February 15th. March 1st is our fall general admission deadline. We would love to have you join us this fall as you prepare for faithful, lifelong ministry. Learn more at slash All right, Kristen, let's begin. Who do we have on the show with us today?
1: Hi, everyone. We have the Reverend Dr. Harry White on the show. He is senior pastor of Watts Chapel Missionary Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He earned a BA degree from Howard University in Washington, D.C., an MDiv degree from the United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio, and we are proud to say a demon degree from Beeson Divinity School. So welcome, Dr. White, to the Beeson podcast.
2: Thank you so much for the invitation and I am grateful to be a part of the Beeson family. Thank you so much for extending the invitation for me to be on the Beeson podcast.
1: We are grateful that you agree to be on the podcast. I had the joy of meeting you this past November at our alumni conference in which you delivered a sermon, and we're going to talk to you about that. It was wonderful and edifying. So I'm glad that you're on the show today. And we always like to begin by getting to know our guest a bit more personal. Uh, So could you begin just by giving us a little bit of background into who you are and where you are from, spiritual journey, and anything uh, you want to share?
2: Well, I am a native of Baltimore, Maryland. I was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. I spent four years in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, for my undergraduate journey. Then I moved to the state of Ohio. I lived in three different cities. Uh, Finally, in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I pastored the Mount Moriah Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, I went to Ohio for my Master's of Divinity degree in Dayton, Ohio. I served at a church on staff in Columbus, Ohio, then got called to a senior pastorate at the Mount Moriah Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I met Dr. Smith, which led me to Beeson as a result of my meeting Dr. Smith. As a native of Baltimore, I grew up. As a sports fanatic, I'm still a sports fan. I uh, got saved at the age of uh probably twelve yeah, and that growth um I have an older cousin who's a sister to me, and she joined the church. I didn't want to be outdone by her, so joined the church soon thereafter, and my understanding of what salvation meant was very elementary, but grew as I became more involved in church life during college. I would say my sophomore year, I had a spiritual awakening. I was always involved in church. Uh, but during campus crusade price, it's now crew and Baptist student fellowship were integral to my spiritual awakening and my responding to my call to ministry. So I preached my initial sermon March 18th, 1992, but had a spiritual awakening maybe 18 months before that, where I became more involved in, more aware and attuned to the reality of salvation, the seriousness of salvation. And I attribute that to Campus Crusade for Christ and Baptist Student Fellowship that were really involved on the campus of Howard University.
0: Pastor White, we've talked about already how you are the pastor of the Watts Chapel Missionary Baptist Church in Raleigh. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about how you felt the Lord leading you into pastoral ministry? And then uh, we'd love to hear just a little bit more about your church as well and what God's doing there these days.
2: Thank you. I knew when I was called to ministry, I served in several staff capacities. I've served as a minister of youth, a minister of discipleship, served as executive minister which is a title for assistant pastor um, at another congregation, those experiences gave me a really understanding of the diversity of needs and staffing in church life. I also had the privilege of doing an internship with uh, Congressperson Floyd H. Flate, who is the pastor of the Allen Temple AMA Church in Queens, New York. During my junior year in college. So, serving on his staff and me a part time job when I was my senior year in college. So, seeing his ministry up close, which was a, a hybrid ministry because he was a full time pastor of a mega church and a congressperson, it just gave me a real thorough understanding of the diversity of what ministry could look like, but always. My call was to be a pastor. And I think God gives us all gifts. God wires us meekly. I didn't know my call was to be a pastor. So I served as pastor of Mount Moriah Baptist Church in eight for eight years in Cincinnati. That was a great experience of learning. I owe that church a great debt of gratitude because they took a chance on a green, wet behind the ears preacher who thought with a Dev, he would change the world. And all of us who've ever pastored, we know that uh, we don't change the world. Uh, God changes us in the midst of doing pastoral. I've, I've been here in roughly 15 years, and it's been a great journey. We've experienced significant growth across the past 15 years. Prior to the pandemic, we were preparing to launch Capital campaign, we were working with the architect because we have significant space issues, but those plans have been placed on the back burner as we are ministering and doing ministry in a pandemic that nobody has been prepared for. But Watch Chapel, during the pandemic, I, every Sunday, I thank God for God's faithfulness and the flexibility and faithfulness of Watch Chapel. So we've been upgrading our technological and digital technology throughout the past 10 years. So the pandemic came, we didn't have to do a lot of upgrading. We had to make some pivot adjustments, but we pretty much had everything in place to become a hybrid congregation. And we are now a hybrid congregation. Um, Praise be to God, we have continued to grow during the pandemic, it's different because I have the face-to-face interaction, but through technology, through digital communication, we've been able to at least maintain, and I would say grow uh, in ministry. We've also had to adapt and do some different things in ministry because during a pandemic, people have different needs. So we've been able to pivot and adjust during the pandemic.
1: Well, as uh, Doug has already mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we have you on this week as part of our African American Ministry Emphasis Month. In addition to being a pastor, you are an author, and I'm holding one of your books. It's called What's Your African American Church IQ? Test Your Knowledge of the History and Culture of the African-American Church. Uh, You have questions about African-American Christian leaders and preachers and about the history of the church. And I just want to know what prompted you to write this book and uh, what should our listeners know about the history and the culture and the leaders of the African-American church?
2: Well, I was a journalism major in undergrad. I was an African-American studies minor. Prior to my call to ministry, I planned to do a PhD in history. So I have a love for history. And as a journalism major, I was, you know, I like to write all the time. I was journalism, public relations. Thus, I love, and I, you know, when I went to seminary, I thought about doing a PhD in church history, but God had other plans for me. I was in a go to used bookstores prior to the pandemic my hobbies is going to the bookstore and I'd like to use bookstores because you can find some gems and nuggets that are out of print and that you can't find in Barnes and Noble or sometimes even on Amazon. And I was in a bookstore once. It's a great bookstore. If you've ever been to Raleigh Stevens Bookstore in Wake Forest, North Carolina, not too far from the campus of Southeastern, Stevens Bookstore is a gem because they have books that have been out of print for years. Long story short, I picked up a book about the IQ of I think, confederacy. And God gave me a revelation on how the African-American church is a neglected American gem and resource that has such a rich and diverse history that many people don't know about. It was just a providential revelation. I said, why not write a little book on what's your African American church IQ? And I wanted it to be fun. So my church, during African American history we've had a we had a little game, little competition, and it was fun. So that was really the genesis of it. Uh, my church does a Wana, and we have the Awana game every year. So between the revelation of that book, and I said this would be a great teaching tool. To make it fun. So that was the genesis and thought behind the book. Yes, listeners, that's a great book, and uh, Dr. White is really right about that. We've been
0: working hard at Beeson to improve our offerings in African-American church history and church life even recently, and we're asking the Lord to help us as we move forward. Uh, Dr. White, lots of other things you've written. One other thing we thought it might be helpful to tell our listeners about, at least for now, It's a contribution you made to a book called Fathers Matter, Changing the Narrative of Black Fathers. And I think your chapter was called Fatherhood, Blessings, Burdens, and Breakthroughs. Tell us just a little bit about what you did in that contribution.
2: Well, I have a fraternity brother who's a deacon at a church in Prince George's County, who tragically, his daughter, his youngest daughter was killed about five years ago. She Great kid in college, was home during spring break. Uh The murder is still unsolved. So as a result of that experience, he brought together maybe 12 persons to contribute to a book on fatherhood. His daughter was great student, just happened to be at the wrong place, wrong time, tragically killed. As a result, of that experience, a part of his healing was to... Communicate and demonstrate another side of African American fatherhood that, in many cases, the media neglects or does not give attention to. As a father, I'm a girl dad. This is, happens to be the day Day Colby Bryant and his daughter died two years ago, with those other families as well. And the term "girl dad" became popular. I have two daughters. I have a 19 year old and 16 year old. I know many african american fathers who love jesus who are active and involved in their community and active and involved in their children's lives that's the side of fatherhood that is not portrayed by the media thus this book wanted to paint a different image of african american fathers my father uh lives in baltimore uh provided a great example for me on fatherhood i am seeking to provide a great example for my daughter by being an active and involved father so my chapter was really about the lessons i learned from my dad to become a good dad to my daughters i don't know if you know my daughter my oldest daughter is a sophomore at hampton university in virginia and right after her graduation She suffered an autoimmune, she contracted an autoimmune disease called autoimmune encephalitis. So my daughter was in the pediatric intensive care unit at Duke University Hospital for two and a half months. Right after she graduated from North Raleigh Christian Academy, uh, significant scholarship money to Hampton University, uh, she developed a rare autoimmune disorder there's a there's a movie uh, on netflix brain on fire we had never heard of this autoimmune disorder oh so my chapter talks about me as a dad walking with my daughter through that illness and how my father's example helped me be there for my daughter in ways that i would have never predicted as god healed her And Duke University Hospital uh, contributed to her healing and recovery.
1: Well, thank you for sharing about um, that book and uh, your story. And I just want to encourage our listeners to visit your church's website, which we can put in the show notes. Um, There you will find a list of all of Dr. White's books, and you can order one from uh, their website, Uh, In 2019, I understand, uh, Pastor White, that you were inducted into the Martin Luther King Jr. Board of Preachers at Morehouse College. Um, So congratulations on that appointment. At Beeson, one of our mottos is preparing pastors who can preach. So we love training people for preaching ministry. I want to ask you about uh, how you see the preaching ministry that you do in your church and how important preaching and the sermon is in the African-American tradition. I wonder if you can share a little bit about your preaching and then preaching in the African-American tradition with our listeners.
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh preaching is the most important thing I do as a pastor. I, as a pastor, preaching is the most important thing I do. Through the preaching moment, um I'm able to cast vision. I'm able to contribute to discipleship and understanding of what it means to be a Christian. Preaching involves teaching, discipleship, pastoral care. In a pandemic, there's no more important moment in the Worship experience, I'd say African-American, any worship experience, the preaching of the gospel. I take preaching very seriously. Overwhelmingly, I'm always in preaching series. Right now, I'm in a preaching series called Unregrettable, things a Christian will never regret doing. So you'll never regret spending time with Jesus. You'll never regret inviting somebody to follow Jesus. You'll never regret uh, apologizing or engendering reconciliation. There's some so that, that's my preaching series right now. Preaching, my approach to preaching. I am a student of Dr. Samuel Dewitt Proctor. That was the book that we used in seminary, uh, preaching about crisis in the community. And Dr. Proctor was the used the Hag- Hegelian dialect: um, proposition, thesis, antithesis, relevant question. I've taken liberty with that because I consider myself a very textual preacher. The Hegelian dialect, if you're not careful, can lend itself to topical preaching. It's not a problem, but I, I think preaching ought to be biblically based, theologically sound, and practically applicable. So that is my mantra for preaching. Preaching to be theologically sound, uh, biblically based, and practically applicable. So that's my approach to preaching. I try to do that every Sunday that God allows me to preach. What a faithful ambassador
0: of the Lord Jesus Christ you are, Pastor White, and much less importantly, uh, what a wonderful ambassador you are of Beeson Divinity School. Uh, We want to kind of brag on you a little bit and tell our listeners uh, how pleased we are that you're one of our own. You're one of the Beeson family. And uh, I thought we'd take this opportunity maybe just to let you help us uh, tell our listeners what's so special about what the Lord's doing at Beeson these days. You were one of the featured preachers at our first ever uh, alumni conference last fall. Of course, we've already told everybody you did your doctor of ministry degree here at Beeson. What's your sense now that you're in ministry uh, in Raleigh and uh, not with us all the time, but kind of looking back on how the Lord used Beeson in your life what's your sense as to uh, how the Lord
2: has used Beeson and what the Lord's doing at Beeson these days? Well, I'm a proud Beeson alum. I recommend Beeson Divinity School for any MDiv and doctor of ministry student. One of my sons in ministry is about to graduate Campbell this May, and he's already looking at D-Men programs, and I put Beeson at the top of the list. So uh, hopefully you'll, he'll be making his way there in three years. I am grateful for my tenure at Beeson. model of education was great because I developed lifelong friends in ministry. I never knew of Beeson and Sanford University until I met Dr. Smith. I had plans. As I said earlier, I was thinking about doing a PhD. Dr. Smith, uh, you know, I got to know him and he recommended Beeson and I came, made a visit to pastor school. That's when Beeson had passed the school. And I came down for a week, a friend and I, and fell in love with uh, Sanford, applied, and had a great experience at Beeson. I am a proud alumnus for persons considering a doctor of ministry. The program at Beeson will challenge you intellectually, you'll develop lifelong friendships. And what I appreciate about Beeson. Is, and I like to, I don't, I think evangelical gets a bad term. Uh, um, Beeson is proudly orthodox, and it's consistent with my ministry. You'll be challenged, you'll be formed. And I have no regrets. It's one of the best decisions I made in life.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Pastor White, for your word of encouragement to us at Beeson. Uh, we always like to end our show by hearing what the Lord has been doing in your life. Um, what has God been teaching you these days um, that would um, edify and maybe even challenge our listeners as we close out the show?
2: Well, thank you so much uh, for allowing you to come for the conference and preach. Thank you for the great work you're doing at Beeson. During this season, I've learned the importance of flexibility in ministry. The pandemic, it has taught me nothing. has taught me the importance of resourcefulness and flexibility in ministry. Uh, we never know. We don't know when this pandemic has got a, a bait. We thought it was... Dissipating, but now this Omicron variant and the flu rona, as they say, has put stuff on the back burner. So I had a staff meeting today with uh, staff persons who serve with me at Watch Chapel, and I commended them for their resourcefulness, their flexibility, and their faithfulness and commitment to the kingdom. I'd also say, you know, the importance of developing relationships. The pandemic has I think ministry can be lonely. Anyway, um, you need good, healthy, holy relationships with other brothers and sisters involved in ministry to thrive in ministry. Uh, the alumni conference the theme was resilience. Um, we will never be resilient and thrive in ministry if we're isolated, if we are not flexible, and if we're not resourceful. So. Those three are critical. And, you know, your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, just a daily devotion. life. It's nothing new, but uh, it's just so important. So those four things.
0: Wise words, our listeners, you have been hearing the Reverend Dr. Harry White. He is a senior pastor of Watts Chapel Missionary Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. We are proud to say he is an alumnus of Beeson Divinity School, and we're grateful to him for his gift of time today. Thank you for tuning in. We love you. Keep praying for us. We say goodbye for now.
1: You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson podcast at BeesonDivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.